Oh, I love this theme that we're coming around today, the gift, the gift of salvation and the work of the cross. A great message as we come towards our Easter season. And, you know, Hebrews 7.27 says, Once and for all, he offered up himself. It was a once only, once only necessary act, which was a complete uh, sacrifice poured out for all of mankind once and once and for all. That is for every person that's sitting in the room here this morning. Every single life was recognized in that moment by that magnificent act of love and sacrifice for all of mankind. And you know, I'm going to speak mostly here this morning about our response to this great gift of salvation and the work of the cross, mostly about how we can incline towards it and receive it and position ourselves to take a hold of all the benefits of it because the gift of salvation and the work of the cross sets us free from sin. It sets us free from sickness. It sets us free from the enemy. It sets us free from poverty. It sets us free from the curse of the law. It sets us free from the world and it sets us free from ourselves. Who knows that sometimes I feel I am my greatest enemy. But the work of the cross and the gift of salvation sets us free even from ourselves. You know, but before I come around that this morning and just unpackage how we can respond to and incline to the work of the cross and receive that gift and take a hold of it, I want to remind us that as much as we Christians, those in Christ, pursue that gift and take a hold of that gift, I want to remind us if we're sitting here this morning, even if you haven't taken a hold of that gift of salvation and the cross, even if you haven't seen it before or acknowledged it in your life, I want you to know that just as much as we can turn to Christ, He pursues us. Actually, even before we see Him and turn to Him, He pursues us. Now, I know you can look at my life and say, Nat, you have known Christ your whole life. And it's true. I'm the daughter, the granddaughter of a missionary. I'm the daughter of a pastor. Surely my young life would have taken a hold of Christ at some point, And I have. And yes, I will. And I'm running with this great call and this great cause. But there was one little brief window in my teenage years where I had decided to look across the fence and see what else was happening in the world. At 16 years old, I was in Germany on the other side of the world and I was in a season where I was not completely in Christ. I was just contemplating what was happening in the world. I was considering things and I was not centered in him in that time. And in the midst of that season, when I was far away from my family, I got a call one night that my dad had had a terrible heart attack all the way back in Australia. I've never felt so lonely in my whole life, far removed from my family. And he went on to have major heart surgery, a triple bypass in fact. And when I heard that news, I went up to the, the little room that I was staying in, this exchange student room, and I sat on my bed. And even though I wasn't in him, even though in that moment, the gift of salvation and the work of the cross wasn't something that I was taking a hold of and owning. Even still in that moment, he came and found me. Right where I was, sitting on the bed with the weight of the world on my young shoulders, this is the nature of our God, that in that moment, he would come and find me. He would pursue me. That 
is the nature of our God. How high, how wide, how deep is his love for all of mankind? You cannot escape his love. It doesn't matter how far you fall. It doesn't matter how hard you run in opposition to him. His love will come and find you in a pit. It will find you at the bottom of a well. That is the very nature of his love. Once and for all, for all of mankind, for all of eternity. This is the nature of his love. Amen. So I just wanted to frame this message with that up front. And now I want to lead us into how we can respond to this gift. Thank you, team. You are magnificent. God bless you. Can we thank the team here this morning? So many times, I'll be honest, I, I have thought to myself, I am my greatest enemy. And I need to get, my prayer is, oh Lord, help me to get out of the way so you can do something through my life something magnificent through my life, even just something good through my life. Oh, Lord, please help me to get out of the way. Sometimes I feel like I can be my greatest opposition. It's ridiculous. Can anybody relate out there? (laughs) And I can relate to this scripture in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Now we have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. Any fragile clay jars out there this morning? (laughs) containing this great treasure this makes it clear that our great power is from god not from ourselves oh it's all good this great power is from him and he makes it very clear that it comes from him right through our lives that miraculous work that can only come from christ is evident in our lives and matthew 4:17 says from that time jesus began to preach and say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I love this scripture because it's a turning point scripture and I feel that we silver water, like Pastor Rhonda was articulating this morning, are at a tipping point in the life of our church, truly on the brink of reaching out into wider Western Sydney, Sydney, a city for Christ. I declare it over us here this morning and our great community. And what happens is that there many receive what Jesus is offering, receive the work of the cross, receive salvation for the purpose of receiving forgiveness. That is a threshold level repentance. But I believe this scripture articulates for us that we're not just meant to receive the gift and the work of the cross uh, at a, a forgiveness level, but we're actually meant to graduate through there that we would repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that we would move through that gateway of repentance, that we would actually see the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when we see that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, just like Pastor Rhonda saw when she walked into the Auburn Community Hall, she felt like she saw heaven. She saw all those faces, a snapshot of heaven, many of them hearing the word of Jesus for the first time. It's when we see the kingdom that our life begins to gain a momentum and attraction and a discipline and we give ourselves to a call and a cause because we have seen the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can I hear an amen from anybody out there this morning that has seen that the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Oh, you know, it's massive. There is no shortage of souls in need of a saviour. We are everywhere. We are all one and included in that. You know, repent is one of the breakdowns of this, of this word. One of the breakdowns of that word repent is to think different. To think different. In order to see the kingdom, we can't go through life on autopilot. We need a renewed mind. We need to gain a heavenly perspective. And I believe if you ask him for it, he will show you. 
Uh, he will show you the burden that is on his heavenly heart for all of mankind. And it's not complex. It's not difficult. It's just about being a yielded life. And, you know, we saw up here this morning three yielded lives, Christy, Dorian and Carly, three people whose eyes and hearts have seen the kingdom of heaven and are giving their lives to spreading the word of the gospel, to bringing light to life, to, to raising up a generation and spreading the word of salvation. Can we just honour those guys this morning? Absolute champions, so proud of them. C.S. Lewis says, don't shine so others can see you. Shine so that through you, others can see him. Amen. It doesn't matter how much we feel like an earthen vessel. He is that light that permeates from the inside of us. And I want to be a light that others would see Christ through my life so that it would count because we know that this life is but a vapour, the Bible says. It's but a breath. One moment it's there and the next moment it's gone. And I really want to make this life count. Is there anyone else out there this morning that wants to give their life to the most worthwhile cause that will ever reach mankind, the work of extending the kingdom on earth? You know, we need to get free from ourselves. We need to get set free from ourselves so that we can represent him best, so that we can be free to get about the work of the kingdom. You know, and we find ourselves most free from ourselves when we are most yielded to living for Christ. That is where the ultimate freedom is, in a life that's given first to Christ, in forgiveness and salvation and then because it sees the kingdom and is a part of bringing that kingdom and releasing that kingdom on earth. Matthew 16:24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to be my disciples, let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of and forget himself and his own interests. Now that doesn't sound like fun, does it? Putting aside your interests and things, but I know that many times getting caught up in my interests and, and, and my thought life and getting caught up in the mental gymnastics that goes on up there sometimes is not free and it's not a happy place. Actually, when I lay down my own interests and take up the cross and take up this cause, I have found my most happiest, satisfied, content life that I could ever know. It's a beautiful life. It's a free life. It's a wonderful, blessed life, an overflowing life. Because there can only be one first. In order to live first for Christ, we need to dethrone self. We need to get self off the throne that sits in our heart and, and establish Christ as Lord in our heart. Because we can't share first place. You know, on the metal blocks, there's a clear first, second, third. It's very evident who first is. You know, sometimes there's a bit of a, a hustle. Who's going to be first? Who's going to take that place? But there is only one first and there is only one winner. And I would ask us here this morning, what has first on our heart? What are we giving our life to? What is established as first on the throne of our heart this morning? It's evident in our lives. John 6.38 says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will and purpose, but to do the will and the purpose of the one who sent me. Christ showed us that life of laying down his agenda and, and honouring the Father's agenda. He laid down his own will and he honoured Christ, the Lord God's will, his Father's will in his life. And we exist in a battle of the will. The self-will to give way to Christ's will. Every time the alarm goes off in the morning, is the alarm going to win or am I going to get up and give that time and lean in and give that time to the Lord and engage in prayer? Oh, the battle of the will, it's evident. There's a wrestle over the will. It is, it is like a slippery little sucker that's quite hard to get a hold of sometimes. That will 
feels like it's got a life of its own, but when it's laid down and it's yielded and Christ begins to rise on the inside of us, then we know a new day. We know a freer day. We know a more fruitful day. It's awesome. As Christ increases in me, I decrease. And it is a blessed and fruitful walk. God's love at work through us is not self-seeking in its motive, but Christ-seeking. And that is our greatest power. That is that light in the earthen vessel. Christ's love and work flowing through us. Pastor Mick and Rhonda have lots of people to feed at their table. They're Lebanese. There's like any minute now, 60 family members can knock on the door and come in and want to have dinner at their place. And Rhonda, being a good Lebanese wife, has it all prepared. The fridges are overflowing and she lays it all out. But, you know, they're they're not just self-seeking, they're Christ-seeking. And so on a Saturday night when they could be sitting at home with their family, they're downtown Auburn, they're laying out a spread, they're serving the community because this life is not just positioned to self-serve, it's Christ-yielded, it's laid down to, to bring the gospel to the community of Auburn because it's a burden that is very real in their heart and we champion them on, we're with you all the way. Let's um, applaud them here this morning the great work that they're doing. Awesome. Let's have a look at Matthew 16 here this morning. And it says, And take up his cross and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me and conform wholly to my example in living and if need be in dying also. Take up his cross and follow me. As we cleave steadfastly, we will find our lives begin to conform wholly to Christ. It's the things that we take a hold of that we empower in our life. And as we take a hold of the gift of the cross and the work of salvation, as we cleave steadfastly to all that Christ is offering us, we will find that our lives begin to conform wholly to Christ. We'll find a revolutionary work start to unpackage in our lives. And Christ is in the business of a complete work. You know, whenever, ladies, we do the laundry, and God bless any men out there that join us in doing the laundry. I love you and I salute you all, men and women alike. You know, when we do the laundry, we don't bring in a blanket with um, damp edges because if we folded it up and put it in the linen present um, closet, we know that those edges would mold, which is not very nice next time that you come to the linen closet. We, no, we, we hang that blanket out. We let the sun shine on it right throughout the day. And then when the work is complete, we fold that blanket up and we store it away. And every woman in the house said, Amen. Because that's how we keep a happy household. It's good laundry. Good on you, ladies and men, those of you that represent with us. We love you and we're proud of you. <laughs> but Christ is in the business of doing a complete work in our lives. When we cleave steadfastly, when we take a hold of him, our lives will begin to conform wholly. That is, he will do a complete work in our lives in the same way he's not in the business of an incomplete work and he will prepare and begin a work that is perpetual in our lives. It's like peeling back the layers of an, of an onion one at a time. He unpackages us to draw out the richness of who we are, to draw out our greatest life, our best life in cleaving to him and laying down our own agenda. It, it is not going backwards, it's going forwards into a richer and a greater and a more fruitful life. He is in the business of a completion. He makes us whole and well and at peace. We find rest in him when we cleave to him and we conform to who he is. So let's put those blankets away with the edges dry in our households and let him do the same in us. Let's yield to that complete work 
in our life. We know the scripture said once and for all, he does a complete work in us. James 4, 8 says, come close to God and he will come close to you. Recognize that you are sinners. Get your soiled hands clean. Realize that you have been disloyal, wavering individuals with divided interests. You know, when we come close, in those moments of bare faith, transparency before him, there's an awareness that comes. You know, he, Christ is our measuring rod. And when we see him, we see his beauty and his glory and who he is, we also get a true readout about where we're at. Where we're at. The, the graciousness of God, though, it's like a mirror. You look into the mirror, you see his beauty and you, you see your humility and he, he does this work on us as we meet with him. As we, as we t- take time with him, we, we find that this conforming work begins to work in our lives. Every time we meet with him, it's so worthwhile. When we set time aside, when we meditate in the word, when we come to prayer, when we come and see him, He continues this gracious work, drawing out the best of us, revealing himself in us. When we come close, we recognize and we realize our true state. You know, proximity creates accountability. Jesus traveled with his band of brothers. They were were teenagers, maybe young adults, and they joked and they pranked one another and they were reckless and it was all fun. But there was also authentic relationship. And in those moments, Jesus would lean in and he would illuminate things in the hearts of the disciples. There were many times he he called out Thomas the doubter and he he called that thing out of him. He he talked to Peter and and he called things out of his heart and it's the same for us. When we walk with Jesus and we find ourselves in this rhythm with him, there will be times where he'll illuminate things in our heart. If we want to take a hold of the gift, the full work of salvation and the work of the cross, we need to go on a journey with him you know, not just show up to the house of God on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when we're driving a car, when we're in the shower, when we're dropping the kids off, when we're in the workplace, allow ourselves to fall in a rhythm with him, just like his band of brothers did, just like he walked with the disciples, and now him to do a work with us in that place, to walk with us and do a complete work in us, because he wants to lead us into our greater life. Proximity creates accountability. Through relationship, Jesus will call things out of our heart. You know, associations are important because there is great power and influence. And that's why I hang out with people like the Sabats and the Regulars and Chrissy and Carly and Dorian because I, I make a choice to position great pillars around me because I recognize the power of influence. And um, I was at Circa at Parramatta. Has anybody had coffee at that place? Great coffee, amazing food. It's a little cafe literally situated between, like in an alleyway between two buildings. It's really cool, got a great feel. Does anyone else know Circa? Seriously, uh, uh, it's it's next to Salvation. There's Salvation and there's going to Circa. Truly, it's awesome. Really cool place. (laughs) Awesome place. And I I met up with a pastor friend who leads a really influential church out Castle Hillway. Um, And uh, we were just having coffee and um, I had Cleo there. She had her little girl there. You know, they were having baby chinos, and it was really it was cute. We were hanging out. And Cleo naturally was watching Peppa Pig because she's two and a half. Are there are any other parents out there who have just heard way too much Peppa Pig? I just feel like, truly, please, somebody bring out an alternative. It's killing me, the Peppa Pig. Anyway, naturally, to keep her happy so I could have an adult conversation, she's watching Peppa Pig. And um, we're sitting out the back, and it's like this booth section, um, and there is a fine crack down the back of the booth, and somehow Cleo, in her toddler 
innocence, managed to drop my phone and Peppa Pig with it down the back of this thing. And I'm sitting there and it's like this booth is um, fixed into the back of the wall. I don't know what we're going to do. We call the staff over and they say, well, we'll take your number and talk to the boss and all of that. And I naturally am, you know, polite and gracious in that moment. I don't see what we can do. Well, my girlfriend sitting with me surprises me in that moment. She's like, no, we're going to move this lounge out. We're literally going to move this lounge out. And I'm like, really? We're going to move the lounge? Wow, okay. And I sort of just, I just went along with things, but I was totally amazed that she was even considering it in the moment. So she starts moving the coffee table out. And then I, I, I am amazed. It's like miracle of miracles. She actually like literally shifts the lounge. And she's, she's like myself. She's not like some training woman, like weight, like heavy weight. No, she's just a normal woman. And she moves this thing out. And I'm like, wow. Jesus is coming back, this amazing miracle. And we reach down and we get the phone and I'm, I cannot believe this has happened. And then we quickly shove the lounge back in before the wait staff come down and we make everyone really happy. But here's the truth. If it was just me in that moment, I, and there is something in me that sometimes that as a leader and a person actually shrinks back when it's actually good to lean forward and take a hold of a moment. And I, I said to her, this is why I'm having coffee with you. It's because there's something in you that just never accepts no. There's something in you that takes a hold of a situation and will make it happen and turn it in your favour. It's actually a leadership gift that's in her. And I said, that is why I'm having coffee with you today. And this just exemplified exactly why I need to have coffee with you because I need not to be polite on every occasion. There are sometimes I need to lean forward and take a hold of something So there are things inside of other people that we need to get a hold of. And if we're not careful, we will find ourselves in proximity. We will find ourselves walking in life with ones that just make us feel comfortable. Not call out the greater us. And that's what Jesus did. He illuminated the things that weren't right. He called out the God stuff that was inside people. And I want to encourage us to find people that we're walking with that challenge us, that call out a greater sense of who we are, that don't let us sit and collect dust in this life, but actually draw us up to a higher place because influence is powerful. And I want to walk this life with ones that call me out. We need to run with people that call us out. 1 Samuel 14:52 says, And whenever Saul saw any mighty or outstandingly courageous man, he attached himself to them. See, Saul was a clever man, and that was in a leadership context, but he had an eye to see an outstanding person, and he attached himself to them because he knew if this one was attached to his life, it would impact his armies, it would impact his life. He was a clever man. Attach yourself to the ones in which you see something that you want to see in your life. Now, it's impossible to take a hold of Christ and not be transformed. It's impossible to walk with him and not be transformed. It's impossible to see him in the mirror, see him face to face and not be transformed. It is impossible to take a hold of Christ and not be transformed, to take a hold of that gift, the salvation and the work of the cross and not be transformed. Because there was a woman that had an issue of blood that had lasted 12 years that had cost everything that she owned. And in a moment, she took a hold of the hem of Christ's garment. And in that moment, as she stretched out her hand and took a hold of that hem, 
healing permeated her body. Her issue was reconciled in that moment. And I want to encourage you, whatever you're facing in your world, if there's a health issue, a relationship issue, a mental health issue, whatever that thing is, if you take a hold of Christ, your life will be transformed. And I challenge anyone who doubts that, come and debate me face to face. I'll take it on because I know this transforming power in my life. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lives that have gone before, that have stood on this altar, they too know the transforming power. If you take a hold of Christ, your life will be transformed. Amen. What we take a hold of, we empower. And what we repeat compounds. You know, as a young dancer, there was a time, once upon a time, when I was a young dancer. It feels like a really long time ago now, but there was about a decade there, and that's all I did. I literally did... It's been a while, but here we go. I literally did thousands of plies. Plie is the French term to bend the knees. It's not that complicated. But I did thousands of them, literally. And, and this, every, you know, every morning at the bar, probably six days a week, thousands of plies. And there was also tondus, which means to stretch the foot. Loads of tondus. And it was all for the purpose of building the muscles of the feet and the muscles of the legs. Is there anyone else out there who's done a plie in their life? Are there any little secret... Dancers out there, Dorian, no, Rose, Rose. <laughs> but it's this, um, the, the power of repetition, the compound effect of doing something over and over again. So here's the reality with the plie and with the tondu. It is the very foundation. Gabby, you're a dancer, aren't you? Yes, I knew it. There was, I knew there was a legit dancer in the room. Gabby's my girl. Thousands of plies, thousands of stretching of the feet. It is literally the very foundation which prepares a way for a jump or a turn or, or a whole routine. It comes from that very foundation. You can't do a jump or a turn unless you've done your plies and you've done thousands of them and you've done your tondus. That is the very uh, foundation for the greater act. Now, my point here this morning is that a great act or a great fall uh, doesn't come on its own accord. It comes because there's been a compound effect, because there's been thousands of choices made, there's been lots of actions repeated, and then that brings the great act or it brings the great fall, and we get to choose which way. It's not in a moment. I don't believe anybody that tells me that. It's because that compound effect. Now, the atmosphere and environment we choose to spend time in, what we watch and what we listen to, we give permission to influence us. And if we're not careful, we'll find the compound effect of what we're empowering in our life, what we're taking a hold of in our life. So we need to make sure that the atmosphere and the influence that we're coming under, what we're watching, what we're receiving into our heart, we're going to make a choice. Am I willing to compound effect that thing in my life? Because we are naive to think that we won't be influenced like the next person. We are all earthen vessels. We are all capable of being influenced by atmosphere, by environments, by information. Make sure what we're taking a hold of, what we're empowering, we're happy to do so. Because be it public or private, what we are taking a hold of, we empower, and truth always rises to the surface. And there are moments of great rise and there are moments of great fall that all come off that principle. And I want our people to win. I want our people to rise. You know, I remember as a teen, because uh, there is one way to handle sin, the issues of the heart, the things that come to entangle us. And we either cut it off or we agree with it and get entangled with, by it, one or the other. we kind of got that choice. And I think Potiphar, the situation with Potiphar's wife is a great example 
of how to handle sin and that is not to handle it at all. And that is to run hard out in the opposite direction, to run hard out from that thing because we can either empower it, take a hold of it, agree with it or we, either, or we cut it off and we run in the opposite direction. And I remember as a teenager stuck in this situation. I felt like I was living my life in a playpen. Does anybody know what those those wooden playpens? If you're a baby in the 80s, you probably got raised in one of them. But not so much these days. There's probably laws against them these days. But but I I felt as a teenager, I was was under the influence of this relationship. And I, I felt like I was living in a playpen. My life felt so limited and boxed up because I was empowering this relationship in my life that was inhibiting my life. And I could see clear as day, if I don't get out of this thing, if I don't run hard in the opposite direction from this thing, I'm going to live this tiny life. And I remember at one point thinking, oh my goodness, am I ever going to get out of this place? Am I always going to be waiting tables? And am I going to marry some some local man and live in this playpen existence? Or am I going to get up out of this place and run to the place, that greater life, that bigger life that I know that I've got on the inside of me? And there was something in me that literally ran from where I was at to Sydney, which is where I came as a teenager. I did college. I ran away from that thing. I literally ran to Sydney because I could see I don't want to be stuck in that playpen. I don't want to be stuck in that small existence. I will not empower this thing. I'm going to empower Christ. I'm going to cut off this thing. I will not get entangled with it. I'm cutting this thing off and I'm running to my greater life. And I landed at Sydney and I met Hartley Taylor. What a great compensation. Wow. Amazing. I like to refer to him as um, Saint Hartley because he really is. It's amazing. It's, some days it's challenging to live with a saint because he is so good in every way and I'm not so good and it really illuminates that and that's hard sometimes but you are amazing. See, I'm positioning myself. I'm taking a hold of the great thing that I want to be influenced by and I'm growing up too and getting to be a better person. Then I'm going to ask you guys to come. We are called to fall in rhythm with Jesus to take a hold of him, to empower him in our life, empower the work of the cross in our life. You know, the gift of salvation and the work of the cross, it sets us free from ourselves. We'll find that we cross threshold moments where we lay down. We lay down old thought life and and habits and blockages in order because our freedom hinges on those threshold moments. As we find ourselves on the altar, as we lay down those things, sometimes we've got to lay them down a thousand times before they disentangle themselves from our lives. But then our freedom hinges on that threshold moment when we let go of that thing and we rise up into a new place, a better place, a greater place. And and Jesus is not a religious character. He, He wanted to get down in the dirt with people. He literally got down in the dirt with people to take a hold of them, to raise them up into their greater life. And, you know, when he went to that cross, he saw your face. He took the sin of mankind so that you could know the fullness of that freedom, so that you could know the fullness of the love that he offers to all of mankind. And it doesn't matter how many times you fall, you can fall a thousand times and find yourself in that pit again. You can run from the farthest corners of the earth right away from him and still his love will pursue you just like he pursued me a kid 
who didn't know her bearings at the time, but lost her compass on the other side of the world, her dad's in a hospital ward, didn't even know what the outcome was going to be, but yet he pursued me. I didn't even look for him, yet he pursued me. He came and found me. Peace filled the room in that moment. Peace steadied my anxious thoughts in that moment. And right here, right now, wherever you're at, whatever you're facing, he wants to fill you with that same peace. He wants to offer you the same gift of salvation that he offered me. It's not about perfection. It's about reception. It's about taking a hold of the gift of the cross. It's about taking a hold of it. Oh, he is pursuing you, but will you pursue him? Will you turn around and see him for what he is today and take a hold of this great gift for everyone in the room here today? So church, why don't you just um, bow your heads right across the room. Lord, I just thank you for your peace in this room right now, stilling every anxious thought, every troubled heart. I thank you, Lord, you're greater than any issue we would face. You're so gracious, you're so kind, you're so able. And you're here for everyone today. church right now I want to give you an opportunity and that is to say a prayer that invites Jesus to come and walk with you now he's not a savior that lords over you he's a savior that wants to meet you right where you're at and walk with you through this life he's he's a friend that meets you and journeys with you he falls in rhythm with you and whatever you face he's there he's ever present in times of trouble this is the nature of our Saviour. And so this morning I ask, would you receive that Saviour? Would you acknowledge that you need that Saviour? Would you acknowledge that your life isn't perfect and that you need that Saviour? Would you be transparent with yourself and with me here this morning and say, I need to receive that Saviour. I need to get back on the same page. Maybe you've known him, but you've drifted. You've drifted off course for whatever reason. Well, in a moment, you can return and you can receive him back in because he's always waiting for you. If you haven't received him before, if you need to return today, or maybe it's the first time that you've ever prayed this prayer, right in this atmosphere this morning, in this quiet moment, every head bowed and eye closed, Will you just lift your hand right where you're seated so I can see it? Lift your hand up nice and high and I'll see you. I see your hand. That's wonderful. Lift your hand nice and high and I'll see it and I'll pray with you here this morning. A prayer that gets you on the same page as Jesus, connected to him again so that you can walk in this life with him. I tell you, it's like you see differently, you think differently when you receive Christ. Everything looks different. Hope arises in your heart. I see your hand. That's wonderful. Who else is here this morning that needs to receive Christ into your heart and your life as your Lord, as your Saviour? He sees you. He sees you here today. Hey, church, I'm going to ask you to stand here this morning. 
my brave friend, if you would come and meet me so I can pray with you here this morning. So awesome. And if you're still resting in your heart, I actually want to step out of my seat. I want to be a part of that this morning. Then right now, I want you to come out. I want you to come up out of your seat. Be brave. Be bold here this morning. And come and meet me here today. Well done, my friend. I'm so proud of you. Awesome. You can just face me. your Valentine's Day, connecting with your Saviour, it's awesome. I want you to repeat a prayer after me this morning. Dear Jesus, please come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Saviour, wash me clean, remove my sin, remove my shame, fill me with your peace and your love, in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you for this great man. I thank you that you receive him here today. Fill him with your peace. Fill him with your presence, Lord. Thank you for your great love for him. Poured out, Lord. Poured out in abundance. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I'm proud of you, man. It's awesome. Hey, I've got a great friend standing behind me. He's going to give you a Bible here today and just take a moment to pray with you a little further and answer any questions. All right? Good on you. Come on, let's applaud our friend today. You know, right now, church, I just want to create an altar moment for all of us. You know, wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord, that we would just offer ourselves afresh here today that we would just again lean in and engage with him, our Lord and Savior, the greatest gift, the giver of the cross, the giver of salvation. If there be any hindrance or blockage, anything that we're entangled in, in a moment, as you offer it to him, as you offer your heart to him, he will acknowledge that thing and set you free. The greatest power to break any curse is confession. And as you confess that thing to him, the power of it is broken as you illuminate that thing. So why don't you lift your hearts and your hands across this room and lean in to the Lord this morning, the one who sees you, the one who knows you by name, the one who holds your very future in the palm of your